Hey, you guys. I am so glad to have our special guest with us. If you guys haven't heard of him before, this is going to be a great introduction. I've had the pleasure of talking to him before um, privately, and he said he wanted to be on Black Canvas, and we're so glad to have him on season six. And his name is Good Son, and he is a Chicago songwriter and producer. His name is Yu Soo Kim. The name is a play on a Korean word, Kuksung, that his dad called him when he was a kid. The word which translates to polarity is a term that is lost in translation. In his case, he was a frequent troublemaker, which could be considered the opposite of peace. By way of his continuous curiosity, Yu Su has been commended for his strength and versatility. Each genre he dives into, whether it's rock, pop, classical, or electronic has been done with precision and quality. Growing up, Good Son played classical as a child, um, see on pop rock as a teenager, all the while secretly adored pop. His music as a result moves from beautifully lush to earnest and raw. Yu Su and his music has been featured in NPR and Alternative Press, his work has been featured in the Super Bowl, Toyota, Reese's, and Dell, among others. And we are so grateful to have you here as a guest. Thank you for being on the show. Daryl, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm just so glad to have you on the show. And I think it's great that we start to have a more international flair to the show. We're having different people from different experiences. And both of us being people of color, I just think it's great that we're able to kind of talk openly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the interesting things that when you had approached me about doing this podcast was the things that you were talking about, the potential topics that we could be talking about uh, seemed to really branch far from the standard constructs of whatever regular interview would be. And I love that you said that. I'm, I'm trying my best to, to make it as approachable for each guest, but to talk about subjects that we all need to discuss. And so I wanted to first start off, if I can ask you a question, I think is really important since we're talking about mm-hmm. the perspective of being a person of color. Can you tell us about when we talk about mental health, um, what are some of the challenges that maybe you think that people of color might face as it relates to mental health from your perspective? Um, I can speak for myself as a Korean American, and I know other people of color potentially share the same experience, but I think a lot of mental health is fairly disregarded, at least in uh, Asian American culture, Um, in Korea especially. It's not really acknowledged that you can have depression or anxiety or any sort of feeling like that, and if you do, it's a sign of weakness or you just kind of deal with it and then it'll go away or you suppress it. And it's a very unhealthy way to address something that's potentially a significant problem to your well-being. Um, And I think fortunately for me, part of the way that I have managed that was creating art, but also at the same time, that's not, always the solution for addressing mental health issues. Um, There has to be an acknowledgement of 
seeking therapy or taking care of yourself mentally, um, having good self-care uh, remedies. Um, those are things that I just don't think are really often discussed in cultures of people of color. What do you think? I 100% agree. In the African-American culture, it's actually a 50% ratio as it relates to mental health of people going back and seeking help. So I think you're right. I think um, especially mm. for African-American males, it can be even harder to discuss it and say, hey, I have a mental health concern. or I want to talk to a counselor about these issues. And I'm a LPC, you know, with my profession. And that's been the hardest thing of talking to other mm -hmm. people of the same race about these issues. Yeah, and that, I find that to be such an interesting field that you went into. Um, how did you end up doing that? Because if it's within the culture, you not even sort of acknowledge that sometimes it exists, like what led you in that direction? Thank you for asking that question. I know for me, um, I do have a family member that struggles with mental health concerns. And so for me, I really wanted to find ways of understanding mental health from a different purview, but also being open-minded to saying that there's things that we all can learn. And I'm, I'm a person that likes to get to know something that's completely unfamiliar territory. And so that's when I was like, this is something I want to learn about medications. Mm. I want to learn about mental health, learn about, you know, holistic approaches that people use to find themselves. And I knew that studying in it will be one thing, but actually having real world experience with this, it, I realized that that was what I should have been doing outside of just business and accounting. And so switching careers from doing accounting and business to then going to mental health, mm -hmm. I realized I found what I really should be doing. And you just know it when you sit in a room across from someone and, and you can see their affect changes or something that, that you've given them as a tool, they can recite it back to you and use it and apply it. And it becomes applicable in their life. And so for me, um, that was the main concern. And I think there's not enough. There's not enough males in the field. There's not enough um, people of color that are being represented in a positive light in this field. And so I was like, well, if I have to stand alone and doing something different, I'm willing to do it. Absolutely. That's beautiful, man. And I know like my wife and I are both do therapy. And one of the big ways that we were able to connect with our therapist is that she's Korean American. And I think it, you just kind of skip a lot of steps to explain how your culture works if you are working with someone who was born and lived in that culture. So I'm sure like just you being an African-American male helps any other potential African-American males who want someone to understand what their experience is. Because I, I felt like that's the, the fortunate thing that happened to me when I was talking with my therapist. I think you're right. And I think it also goes back to what are you wanting to gain in that experience of therapy is very important as well. So if you don't know what you're looking for, um, as a counselor, it's not our job specifically to tell someone how to feel, of course, but mm -hmm. to meet them at where they are and whatever stage of change they're in. And then also being aware and being culturally aware, but being attuned emotionally to how we're feeling so that we don't have any transference or counter-transference issues in a session. So I think that kind of relates even to music. Like in order to be in a creative mindset, you have to kind of know where you are, um, the people you surround yourself with and, and how even your culture can definitely have a huge influence on the music you make or the types of music you listen to and are influenced by. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are certain parallels with music and therapy. And I, I think one part of it is just like, 
how, how mystical both of them can sometimes be. And there has to be a lot of demystifying. Um, I know like when I told my parents I was in therapy, they were like, what did we do wrong? <laughs> I was like, that, there's nothing on you. It's just like things I need to talk to someone else about um, that maybe I can't always talk to you about. Or if I tell other people I'm in therapy, um, they, they don't fully understand like what the process is. They think that someone is trying to fix you or provide solutions for you. But like you said, that's not always the case. Sometimes you're just a sounding board for someone else. And with music too, people always wonder, what is a writing process like? How are you creating music? And even as a musician and a writer myself, I am also very curious about how people I admire create music as well, because it can be a different experience. I love that you said that. It kind of goes into my next question. Can you kind of tell us what goes into sometimes like that creative process of songwriting? And is there any specific? Oh, man. I, I think what I've really come to learn in the past couple years, and maybe it goes hand in hand with the pandemic, um, I used to be seeking for like these aha moments of like, okay, I totally get it. This is how songwriting works. So I get it. This is how music works. This is how you play a guitar. I don't think that's what the answer is. I think it's always changing. It's so gray and fluid. And to some people, that's such a disappointing answer because they just want to understand it as quickly as possible or have it simplified as quickly as possible. And I think the biggest thing I realized is like, there's, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. Taste is so subjective and it's okay to make something and, and like it and expect that other people won't like it or that um, you are really into a style of writing or into a, a method of creating. And then five months later, six months later, you don't identify with that anymore. You don't have to be married to the ideas that you had uh, from your past. And there was this one really good quote that I'd read earlier this year that resonated with me that said, uh, you are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. And I think that spoke to me a lot because as an artist, you can really marry into the ideas of what you think art should be or what music should be or how creativity should work. But it's not necessarily the case that there are these hard and fast rules. And I think that it will be boring. Like when we think of that, if, if this is the only way you could record or release music or be inspired, then, you know, the creative process will definitely be hindered based on just, you know, a perspective that maybe someone else deems to be in a creative where it might not be where the album or EP or song is actually going. So I love like when I think of like recording sessions, when you see so many writers or different opinions, then you get to choose what works for you. Yeah, definitely. And then there are people who are in the complete opposite camp who think that's cheating, who look at a list of artists and writers in one song and think like, oh, the main artist can't write a song. They needed all these people to help them. And I'm like, no, man, like, it's just a bunch of ideas. It's collaboration. It doesn't have to be one genius who figures everything out. You can work with a lot of people to still create something beautiful. I agree. You, Sue, if you find someone who is that creative could do it all by themselves, like, the, I think the only one I could think of is, like, Prince, maybe, because <laughs> Prince could, like, get up and do almost any and everything. But I don't really know too many artists that are just that talented, you know, that can just do it. And even with him, he still worked with others. But it's just 
that's just something you just don't really see anymore. So mm-hmm. I, I think like with a lot of A&Rs and different companies and, and producers and agents, like they, they have to market, you need marketers, you need publicists, you need a lot of different people who are playing a role to make sure that that artist is being seen. Yeah, definitely. And I think, unfortunately, there there's sometimes this romanticization of people like Prince who can do everything themselves and they they then quantify that as being like a better musician or a better artist. And I don't think that's the case. Like Prince still made stuff and he was good, but it doesn't mean that he's necessarily always better than someone who needs other people to create something like maybe Michael Jackson, like that guy can't play any instruments, but he's still absolutely brilliant and not any less of a, an artist compared to Prince because he can't play any instruments. I 100% agree with that. I mean, and his instrument was his, you know, musicality, his dancing ability, his way to connect. I mean, you're right about that 100%. So you, Sue, I I have another one for you, if you don't mind, another question. Can you tell us about performance anxiety? Have you ever experienced any performance anxiety in a studio or live performing? And if you have, how did you find the courage to persevere if you experienced it? Oh man, absolutely. All the time. I don't think I'll ever get over it. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I, I don't know what the answer will always be in terms of how to remedy it. I think maybe just acknowledging that you have it and other people go through that helped me a lot, uh, especially when I started writing with other people. Um, so much of what I do is by myself. And then once you bring another person into the equation, then the terms of how you're creating suddenly are changing. Um, Especially if I'm working with people that I admire, I would feel like I have imposter syndrome that anything I come up with might suck or I may not come up with anything at all. Um, I think you just have to have sort of a faith in what you're doing and maybe just understand like, why are you doing it in the first place? And for me, I'm writing songs with people, I'm performing on stage, because at the core of it, it's really fun and I get a lot of joy out of it. So despite whatever outside circumstances that might be giving me anxiety, I just had to remind myself, like, dude, this is for fun. Like, don't ha- you don't have to freak out about making the best thing possible or doing the best performance possible. It's about enjoying what you have and enjoying the process of creating. And it doesn't completely get rid of all my anxiety, but at least I think it gives me some perspective of like, this is the purpose of what you're trying to do. It's to have fun, not overwhelm yourself with anxiety. I love that you said that because it kind of goes back to whatever works for each person works for that individual and it can subside some of that anxiety and pressure. I know some people have like routines or rituals that they practice before a show or before recording. So I think that's great that like you you work through it each time, but you find courage each time to still be yourself. And I think that is a, a healthy way of managing anxiety for sure. Thank you. I, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see how it keeps going. <laughs> well, you, you're still recording. So that's saying you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> so can you tell us what has been the most challenging or hardest part of dealing with COVID-19 and how have you been affected by the pandemic? Um, it's, it's so strange because I think the isolation by far, and I, I know I'm not alone in that has been 
the most challenging part, especially when people aren't willing to admit that isolating yourself from other people has significant consequences and they marginalize that and prioritize the risk of getting COVID, which I totally get is can be a big deal and can be uh, fatal for some people. But at the same time, um, man, being alone for a long time, that kind of sucks or not seeing my friends not creating music with my friends or grabbing drinks with my friends that was really taking a toll on me uh and i i didn't realize it until later that i was just sort of instinctually looking for any outlet possible to re-find myself in a community or be part of a group of people um one of the things that i found a lot was that I started playing in a local church. And the interesting thing with that is my wife is Christian, but I'm not. And I originally used church as a way to really sort of find a connection with my wife. Like, what is this thing that is so important to her and how can I understand this more? And then by the time the pandemic hit, then all these churches switched to online services and then they needed musicians. And since I'm freelancing, I could go to the church during the day and shoot the service on a weekday, whereas other people who have regular day jobs can't do that. And then suddenly I found myself immersed in this community uh, with this group of people at this church. Um, and I just, I ended up making a lot of really good friends. And I really found myself deeply embedded in this community. Uh, and to this day, I, I'm not sure if I'm atheist or agnostic, but I love being there. And um, I think through isolation, I somehow find other sources of community. And I love that you said it and ended that with the community because, you know, it's about loving ourselves first and self-preservation and knowing how to manage our time and our energy, but also knowing that you don't have to have the answer today and, and no one has the right to tell you how to feel, what to experience, you know, even if someone recommends something to you, it's, it's your opportunity to decide if this works for me today. And who knows, next year you may have a different, you know, way of thinking as relates to all of it. And that's okay too. So I, I, I love that, you know, and I love more with my show is that I want every guest to feel comfortable to share and be open about things that they're experiencing and also not feeling like they're being judged. You could be loved back into a situation, not judged back into scenarios. So I, I love that you mentioned that for sure. Thank you, Cheryl. Yeah, I mean, you've been really easy and awesome to talk to you so far. So it's been fun. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I want you to tell us what has been the best piece of advice you've been given either by an artist, a musician, or even possibly a fan. And how has that person's advice helped inspire you in your career? Um, I don't know if I've ever gotten like a singular piece of advice that has sort of defined who I am or how I identify my career. But I think there have been like little reminders here and there of just, just approaching music and doing music because you love making music. Uh, I'm By nature, I am someone who is very goal-oriented and task-oriented. It gives me a lot of structure. Um, but on the downside, it sort of takes away from music because if if I say like, my goal is to play at this venue and then I and then we there's like a local venue here called the Metro I was like man if we just play the Metro then I totally made it 
And then we played the Metro and I was like, man, that wasn't really thought what I thought it was going to be. Um, or if like for my music, uh, I would watch the Super Bowl. I was like, man, if I get my music on the Super Bowl, then I totally made it. And then I ended up having some background music in the Super Bowl. Um, and then after it happened, I was like, well, that didn't feel like what I really thought it would feel like. And all these goals that I had set up for myself to help build my career and get me to a place that I wanted to be in my life or what I thought I wanted to be in my life. It wasn't as rewarding as I thought. And ultimately it was kind of destroying my relationship with music because why does any kid pick up and play an instrument? I think it's because it's fun. They get some sort of creative outlet and joy from it. And then the more I started setting up these goals for myself to build my career, the more I was distancing myself from like the kid that I was who was playing in a band with his high school friends. So the more I talked to people um, in, the, in the industry and other artists, I, I realized you have to really stay pure to that and stay connected to that. Otherwise, you, you begin to lose sight of why you're doing it in the first place. I really love that you stated that because there are a lot of people who say, hey, if I could just headline this show or if I can, you know, make this win this award a Grammy or be able to release a number one single, then that means I've made it. But how much energy and time did you put into reaching that goal? And is that where you see yourself? And is that all people are going to remember you by is that one achievement? And I think like even as you mentioned, sometimes we have to kind of soul search and find other people who love and respect us and who are supporting in our, in our career choices that you might decide later, I want to be more of a, a producer, or I decide I want to actually just stop recording music or releasing music. And I just want to, you know, be more of a family guy and be there with your wife and spend time with the family. Like that's your choice, you know? And I feel like that's such a great way of looking at, Hey, I, when I thought this was going to be the, the actual path for me and I did actually achieve the goal I still didn't get the fulfillment that I was expecting so I can just find whatever works for me in that moment and also have people around me that support me no matter what I choose to do and if I don't ever have this opportunity again at least I tried to do something that was different than what I expected to do. Yeah and I think that's so interesting that you had a similar conversation with other people because I'm constantly, it's like, I haven't figured it all out. I'm still figuring it out. And I'm constantly in this dilemma, especially with Good Son. Good Son is like my attempt to try to restart this dream that I had of being this big artist or whatever even that means. But the more I do it, I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, do I want to go out on tour? When I toured my last band, I didn't really like doing it. In fact, I kind of just enjoy being at home with my wife and my dogs and my family, just hanging out and watching TV. Like that to me sometimes is a lot more fulfilling than sitting in a van for like five or six hours driving to a place to play music for a handful of people. That is a lot less enjoyable more often than spending time with my family, which is such an identity crisis because when I was in my 20s, like all I wanted to do was just be this huge artist and then to come to terms to realizing like I don't think that's what I really want but do I still want it and I keep going back and forth on it and, and I don't know I, I still don't know and I think that you are an amazing artist I mean I think it goes back it's, it's relative you know, no problem it's relative to what people believe 
And I don't base someone, how many streams someone has or the fan base of if they're talented. They may have a great marketer. They might have a certain look that is marketable at that time. Or they might actually mm. just be shocking and do things that are innovative that people just gravitate to. So we have to be careful, um, all of us do, you know, of what people marketing and deem to be successful. I like to use like this show, like I started off with a few thousand, you know, maybe streams and it's done a lot better over the last few months, but I'm not Joe Rogan and I don't want to be, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I always look at it like that. That's always been my thing of, I don't want to be something else. I just want to be myself. And that's, that's helped me to grow as, as, as an actual podcaster. And it helps me to, to find myself that when other people say, hey, this is what you need and this is the formula that works, I can say, hey, it really doesn't. You know, I've talked to Good Son. I've talked to Les, Les Trent. I've talked to people from American <laughs> Idol and I still find success in all of it. So That's I awesome. love it. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you're having a good time when you're talking to anyone regardless. And, and uh, it's cool learning about your identity because i think like you said like as soon as you start pandering to pick up an audience and you kind of lose who you are but like i i like the show because you're being true to yourself and I, I get that vibe from it i appreciate that yeah i always tell people like there's going to be mistakes i may flub a name i might screw something up or do something where you know where it's not perfect but i don't want to be perfect you know i want the show to be something where we all can laugh have a good time and then go back and say, hey, you know what? I can just do this differently next time or try something different, but I'm not going to beat myself up because of things that we can't fully control at times. You know, that's just, that's life. And I'm, yeah, and that's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to say, that's funny. You're talking about perfection because I I can get obsessed with perfection. And I, I just got myself this um like art print that says perfection is not real just to remind myself not to slave over that idea i like that i I had never heard that before but i really think that's cool um and like i said when we think of being perfectionistic can be boring too um because then your mind goes into this is the way it always has to be and like you said for any artist Mm -hmm. like i said i I use a lot of artists as examples that I, i respect and Lady Gaga is an example of one of like how many different types of music and, you know, she's done electronic pop. She's done, you know, working with Frank Sinatra, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I'm off. I'm saying Frank Sinatra. Yeah. That is completely wrong. Tony Bennett. Excuse me, guys. If she, if she's working with Tony Frank Bennett, Sinatra, yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love Frank Sinatra. That's where I came from. But Tony Bennett, who is an another amazing <laughs> artist, and just touring and and being able to be like I loved um, her portrayal when she was with Bradley Cooper and just being able to sing and just seeing a different side to her that I had never seen before. And then we think of other artists that have crossed over and done gospel music and done R and B music and there's many of them out there. And some people may say, "Hey, that's a secular form of music that someone else may not agree with." Well, that's your your point. That's your thoughts. But if that works for them and they feel that it's something they're comfortable mm-hmm. doing, then amazing. You know, I, I, I just want to see artists being themselves. And as you grow, like when people have kids or they, they move to other countries or travel, 
then your music is going to expand. I mean, Beyonce is a great example of that, like Lemonade versus her first album, Think of Dangerously in Love, like this completely different ends of the spectrum um, of the music, but people still love her because she's herself, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she does everything on her own terms and she is one of the biggest artists in the world, if not one of the biggest artists of all time. That's true. And so when we hear that, y'all heard this, you guys, when Good Son is all over the TV and things are going out, <laughs> I'll be say, you know what? I, I knew him. I, hopefully he still remembers me, but I know him. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget well, that's you. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> so I have two more questions for you. So I'm going to do a two-parter to this one. The first one is if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? And then the last one is, how can our listeners find you online and what's next for you? That's a great question. Um, to my younger self, I think just enjoy, enjoy making music, enjoy creating. I, I uh, often lose sight of it. Some, some people enjoy sort of the pain and agony of it, I guess, like, you know, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Knicks, um, he said, I'm happy when I'm miserable. And I thought that was so hilarious because he used to be the coach for the Bulls and he was just such a strict person in terms of how you should be playing basketball or running your defense, etc. But I, I'm the same way. I grew up as a classical musician. And, you know, unfortunately, the world of classical music does not prioritize enjoying making music. It's all about just very, very strict discipline, playing a certain way, not really having an opinion of how you play, but just being sort of ordered on what you're supposed to play and when, what you're supposed to sound like. And so that's, that's how I grew up playing music. Um, and I think unfortunately by instinct then that's what I revert back to if, if I'm in music creation mode it's just like being extremely disciplined to the point that I'm not always enjoying what I'm doing so if I was going to talk to my younger self it's just like kind of enjoy the moment and don't obsess about like what the next thing is or how to make things better um, I think that would be the biggest thing to my younger self and in terms of where to find my music uh I think it should be everywhere, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever you listen to music, just search up Good Son, two words, and I'll be on there. I appreciate you so much for being on this show. I mean, this has been a pleasure for me. I would love to have you back in the future if you would like to perform, if you would like to just, I mean, oh, we want to hear absolutely. your voice. I've heard your voice. I know how good it is, but the <laughs> listeners don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. So I would love I'm to excited. be back. Well, I will have you back soon. So we're going to set up something hopefully in the next couple of months. Um, hopefully the next two or three months, we'll set something up, have you back to perform and just show everyone how spectacular you are. And hopefully we can gain some more listeners and followers. And who knows, you might be on tour. You might change your mind and say, I want to do tour or you might not. And, but if so, we would love to hopefully hear in the future that if you are touring or performing and maybe that might be a great thing your wife can go with you y'all can kind of 
ever ride with the dogs and just just go out on tour. <laughs> <laughs> I love that image. I love that. So we appreciate you so much for being here. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Thank you so much for being on the show. Jerry, thanks so much oh, for no having problem. me. I hope you have a great rest of your evening and we will talk soon. Sounds good. You too. Okay, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. I'm not afraid.